The better life that God wants you to have is paid with miracles. This is the place for miracles. There is an old Hebrew legend that says that on the day that God had created everything that is and rested, that man, Adam, looked up in the face of his Creator, and seeing everything was so beautiful, said to him, Hello, God. <laughs> and God, who created every living thing, including Adam, his, most great, his greatest creation, looked down at Adam and said, Hello, man. And everything in nature joined in. Hello, God. Hello, man. Now, that's uh, a legend. But you know what? It just might very well be near the truth. Hello, God. Hello, man. When God created Adam, He gave him four very precious gifts. Number one, He made him in His own spiritual and moral likeness. In other words, He made Adam to look like God. Thereby, you and I look like God to the devil. When the devil sees us, he realizes that we were made in God's spiritual and moral likeness. Therefore, the devil gets angry because when he looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees God in our face. And he also made man to respond to this world, God's great creation, by his spirit. Now, in much of the world, people don't respond to God in their spirit. In fact, they don't respond to anything in their spirit. Uh, education, secular education teaches that we are just a mind. We're not a spirit. We're, we're just a mind walking around on two legs. But that's not true. We not only were created in God's image, His spiritual and moral image, but we were created to respond to this world by the Spirit of God. We are not a mind with two legs. We are a spirit. We live in a body and we have a mind. And it's time that we understand how we were created. The second gift that God gave man was He gave him universal uh, authority and dominion. It was Adam who named every living thing. It's, uh, it's uh, man who bridles the horse, not the other way around. The animals fear man. Man don't fear the animals. God gave mankind universal authority and dominion. I remember some years ago, uh, my mother and father and I went up to Wyoming to do some fishing. And uh, my mother and dad went out uh, alone the first day, and they were fishing for rainbow trout in this beautiful little lake. And my mother was just catching fish after fish after fish, and my dad had not caught a thing. And he looked over at her and said, Evelyn, how is it that you're catching all these fish and I'm not catching any? And she said, Oral, the Bible says that God gave us dominion over all the fish of the sea. I'm taking dominion. <laughs> my, dad, my dad grumbled and threw his line out again. Pretty soon my dad caught a fish. And then he caught another fish. And then he caught another fish. And my mother looked over at him and said, Oral, what are you doing? He said, Evelyn, I'm taking dominion. <laughs> he, he given us universal authority and dominion. And that's why we have the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name named in heaven and earth. And we have the authority to use that name. The third gift that he gave us was he gave us the gift of communication. The Bible says that Adam walked and talked with God. In other words, Adam spoke God's language. Today, 
Many people don't know how to talk to God. In fact, most people don't know how to talk to one another. And that's the reason for many of the problems that we face in this world because people don't know how to talk to one another. And people, many people do not know how to talk to God. The fourth gift was the power of choice. God gave us the power of choice. That was the biggest risk that God has ever made to give mankind the power of choice. The power of choice to say yes, the power of choice to say no, to accept Him or to reject Him. And much of the world, as you know, has rejected God. Adam walked and talked with God. The Bible tells the story in the book of Genesis. And you find the devil, his first appearance coming in the form of a serpent. Now, it wasn't a serpent like a snake crawling on the ground. The serpent was upright. That on the ground will come later. And uh, he had put Adam and Eve in a beautiful garden amidst tremendous uh, foliage and trees and things of that nature, all beautiful things to eat, the tree of life as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said to man, of all this in the garden you can eat except for one tree, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the devil came in through the serpent and introduced doubt into the world for the first time and said, God said to you, you'll die if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you won't die. Well, Satan was perverting the truth as he usually does. Man would not die physically, but he would die spiritually. And Satan introduced doubt into the world. He said to the woman, you won't die, take a bite, it tastes good. And Eve succumbed to the devil's words and took a bite and said it's good and gave it to her husband and he ate. And the Bible says immediately they recognized their nakedness. Now that in the Bible is not a, a, a refer reference to nudity. No, it's not a reference to nudity at all. It's a reference to they recognize their own mortality. And the Bible says they were afraid. God had said to them, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But now they've eaten and suddenly they're afraid. The devil introduced fear. That's the first time that fear entered the world. And God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam replied, I was afraid. And so I hid, I covered up. And people have been covering up ever since. I was afraid. I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And he did something else that people do today. He blamed it on somebody else. That woman that you gave me, gave me to eat. He wouldn't take the responsibility for the fact that he took the bite himself. And God put a number of things upon Adam and Eve at that time. He said, Eve will give birth, women will give birth under great pain and great strain. And Adam, you'll work by the sweat of your brow. You notice when you work outside, the first place you usually begin to sweat is right here. And they were cast out of the garden and God stationed two angels with fiery swords there to protect it. And God and man were suddenly estranged. And mankind lost his communication system with God. And God raised up great men and women throughout the Bible to proclaim His Word. Moses, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Deborah, David, Saul, Isaac, uh, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Elijah, Elisha, all through the Old Testament of the Bible, you, you see these great men and women that God raised up in order to speak God's Word. But that wasn't enough. It took a Savior. 
It took a redeemer. And so God caused a baby to be born. He sent an angel to a young teenager named Mary and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And Mary didn't understand, but she said, let it be unto your servant even as you speak. And she was the one who would carry the Christ child. He would be born without an earthly father. He would be, she would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. She would not have sexual relations with a man on this earth. Instead, she would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Thereby, he could be born without sin. She was the mother, the carrier, but the Holy Spirit. God himself was the father. And he was born in the little village of Bethlehem. And there he grew up as, he, as they moved on up to Nazareth. And he grew up and at the age of 30 he entered his ministry, preaching, teaching, healing, bringing deliverance to people wherever he went. And the day came for his very purpose, his reason for being, to go to the cross, to cut a new covenant in his shed blood for the remission of sin that we might be saved, healed, and delivered in every area of our lives. And you see the life and the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus wanted to reestablish the communication system between man and God. One day he was standing over by the temple. It was on the last day of a great feast. And on that day, historians teach us that the Jewish priests would take large barrels of water and they would spill them out down the steps of the temple and the water would flow into the streets of Jerusalem. And the people in their exuberance would begin to dance in the water before the Lord as a form of worship. And Jesus was standing there that day with his disciples. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, you think that water that they're dancing in is something. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking of a communication system once again being reestablished between mankind and God. And he said to his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforter, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But if I go away, I will send you another comforter. One who not only will be with you, but who will be in you. Now the disciples, I'm sure, did not understand completely what he was talking about. But after he was crucified, dead and buried after he had taken on our sin and shame, after his back had been bloodied and striped, that you and I might be healed in every area of our lives, after he had risen from the dead, he stood on the Mount of Olives with his followers and said to them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That represents your hometown, your family, uh, the places that you frequent, the places where it's difficult, and all over the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And he told them to go to a special room, an upper room, upstairs in a, in a building, and to tarry or to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He told them to come into one accord. Now, <laughs> one of the hardest things in the world is to get Christians to come together and to agree because we have a tendency to argue and to, and to uh, uh, get on one another because of doctrine. We, we love to split hairs and we make sure that you dot your I the way I dot my I and you cross your T the way I, I cross my T. Well, some of that may have been going on, I don't know, but I, I don't know how long they were in that room, but they were there apparently for a while. He said, Terry, until you come into harmony, into unity, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And they came into that room and they stayed and they stayed until they came into one accord. And suddenly there was a sound and the book of Acts tells the story. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And suddenly there appeared upon their heads as it were tongues of fire. And they began to speak with tongues 
as God gave the utterance. They didn't understand. They began speaking in languages that they had never learned before. It was what the prophet Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And that's what they told the crowd gathered there in Jerusalem as they came out of that room. This is what the prophet Joel said, out of, on the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter preached a message that day and 3,000 were born again and the church of Jesus Christ was born. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit was not only with them, but He was in them to give them the power. And the Holy Spirit is the power source. The Holy Spirit is the divine prayer connection. The Holy Spirit is your reconnection of your prayer and your, and your vocabulary to God. It's the reconnection of your communication system. But Peter did not know how to explain it. It took the Apostle Paul. It took the Apostle Paul the elder, to, to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, there's a difference between the gift of tongues, which is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that he outlines in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, between your daily devotional prayer language. What they were doing that day up in that room was not the operation of the gift of tongues. No, it was their daily devotional prayer language. But it took Paul to, uh, to understand and to teach us that the Holy Spirit comes in us on the day that we gave our hearts to Christ. Romans chapter 8 tells us that on the day we got saved, the Holy Spirit came in and bore witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in and bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Well, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then it begs the question, what's he doing? Because he's not in there just playing tiddlywinks. What's he doing? The Bible says he's interceding. He's praying seven days a week, 24 hours a day in a straight line, direct prayer to God. The scripture also says he knows the mind and will of the Father and he also knows you and he knows me. And he reaches down into the depths of our being and pulls up what we have wanted to say to God, but we've not known how to say to God. And he takes that up in prayer. And we can, by an act of our will, tap into his prayer and pray in a language that we never learned. Now, some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it praying in tongues. Some people call it praying in the Spirit. I'm not hung up on titles. I just do it every day. And I do it not because I'm better than anybody else. I do it because I need help. The Bible says we know not what to pray for as we ought. I want my communication system with God reconnected so thereby I do what the Apostle Paul did. He said, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays and, uh, and I'm edified, but I don't have understanding. Well, when you pray in tongues, it makes you feel better. Sure, you feel something, you feel, well, you feel some emotion, obviously, but you feel the power of God, you feel the presence of God, you're edified, the Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians, but you don't have understanding to go with it. Well, what good is praying in tongues if you don't have the understanding? And that's one of the problems that many Christians face today. People who pray in tongues, some of them, they just pray in tongues and then they'll never stop and interpret. But Paul said, let him who speaks in an unknown tongue, this is 1 Corinthians 14, pray that he may interpret in other words, when you pray in tongues, you stop and then you pray in English. And God begins to give you new ideas, new insights, new in and innovative ways of doing things, creative thoughts you've never had before. Everything begins to change and suddenly you know what to do. You get inside information and your communication system with God, like Adam had, is restored. Now that's the value of praying in tongues. I was, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a young man, when I gave my heart to the Lord. I got saved at 19. That night in the dormitory, 
where I was living at the time, a group of young men helped me to release my prayer language and I began to pray in tongues. And I've been praying in tongues ever since. I didn't quite have the, the fluency. I couldn't do it at will until Lindsay and I got married. And Lindsay could pray in tongues anytime she wanted to. And I wanted what she had. And she helped me so that I could pray in tongues anytime I wanted. As I said, not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I need help. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, is the most valuable thing that I have learned since I gave my heart to the Lord and learned how to be a tither. Praying in tongues is my communication system with God. It's reestablishing the Holy Spirit in me with God and reconnecting my communication system. Every Christian has the right to pray in tongues. Now, that does not mean you're operating in a gift of tongues. Let's separate that. The gift of tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not talking about that. That's sovereign. Only God can manifest a gift of tongues and a gift of interpretation of tongues. And by the way, there are nine of those gifts, including the word of knowledge, the, the uh, uh, word of wisdom, the, the gift of faith, the discerning of spirits. There are nine. I'm not talking about that at all. So don't think I am. Don't get confused. I'm talking about your daily devotional prayer language. Because Paul said, what will I do? I will pray with the Spirit. In other words, I will pray in tongues and then I will pray in my understanding or in my own language. In Paul's case, it was Hebrew or perhaps he even prayed in Greek because <laughs> he spoke both. Well, you and I have that right. It's something that I do every day. I don't boast about it. I don't wear a badge that say, look at me, I pray in tongues. I don't stand on the street corner and shout out in tongues. No, usually I do it quietly when nobody's listening because I need help. I need direction. Before I began this message on YouTube today, I began praying in tongues because I wanted God to give me understanding and wisdom and new ideas of how to present this message to you. You and I can have a communication system with God and it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you'd like someone to lead you in praying in tongues, then why don't you just pick up your telephone and call the Abundant Life Prayer Group at 918 495-7777. Our prayer partners have led thousands of Christians into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What an exciting day to live, to have an opportunity to reconnect our communication system with God. And when I pray in tongues and then I stop and pray in English, I get so many creative ideas. I get new and innovative ways of doing things. And even more importantly, I get God's response back to me so that I know what to do. I know what to say. I know where to go, and I know what to do when I get there. Thank God for a reconnection of our communication system with Him. Now, as I said, if you need special prayer, you can email us at oralroberts.com prayer. Just go to oralroberts.com prayer. I not only will pray, but I will write you back. I'll bring you something very good from the Word of God and something good from my spirit. And I pray that this message has been a blessing in your life. God richly bless you and I expect him to do it. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us at The Place for Miracles. We have a special offer available for you. Just click on the link for more information. Remember, anytime you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Go to oralroberts.com or call the prayer group at 918-495-7777. We believe God wants you healed and whole in all areas of your life.